for us to share one thing about what's encouraged us from our week. And we've just got such a buzz of conversation going on. It's obviously been such a good week. Uh, we could have a testimony time, couldn't we, just to hear what God's been doing. Um, this is brilliant. Wow. Well, you've been used to turning to people next to you. Would you uh, do that once more and just turn to people next to you and say, God is at work in this place today. Okay. Great stuff. Uh, I'm going to be talking today about the fact that God speaks to people today. Uh, God reveals himself, and he does this particularly through spiritual gifts, is what we're talking about uh, in this series at the moment. But, but I just want to anchor this in a, in a real Christian distinctive that God is a God who reveals himself to his people. And that's a particularly Christian distinctive. God, if you're reading your Bible, you, begin, you remember at the beginning of the Bible, uh, the, the story starts with creation, not surprisingly. And uh, we read here that God reveals himself by speaking. Uh, it says that, that God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so the days go on, and God speaks again and again and again in a pattern. There's a day, and God's speaking and creating until he gets to people. And something different happens when we get to the creation of people, because God doesn't speak, let there be. What actually happens is God says, let us create people in our own image. There's a conversation not to create, but there's a conversation amongst God, within God. And it then says that God creates people. And what is the next thing he does? He speaks to the people. So at no other point in creation is God speaking to his creation. He's speaking it into existence. But here at the beginning, we see that God is a speaking God, a revealing God, because he speaks to people and reveals who he is and his purposes for them. God loves to communicate with us. He loves it. And we've been seeing evidence of that today, and I'm, I'm so grateful for that. God makes himself known to us through speaking in power in his word. And he does that in three different ways. Um, he speaks primarily through Jesus. We read in the Bible that the word became human, the word being Jesus. He became flesh and made his home among us. We read that the Bible is God's word. Your word is a lamp to, my, to guide my feet and a light for my path. So Jesus is the ultimate word. Then we've got the Bible, which is the word of God to us. And then God still speaks today as we've been hearing. We've been seeing evidence of this in our, in our meeting this morning. God still speaks and he reveals himself to us. So it's no great surprise that when we come to spiritual gifts, some of them are based around words and speaking. Not all of them are, but some of them are. And we're going to be looking at these today. So it's not all of them. Uh, these are the list of some of the spiritual gifts or the, the, the ones that we see listed um, and today I'm going to aim to talk about some of these, the red ones on your screen. A couple at the top are slightly different color because I'm not sure I'm going to get to them. Um, but I'm going to see how I get on. Um, so I want to talk about tongues, interpretation, prophecy, and obviously it links in the, the other list as well. It's the same thing. And potentially a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. I want to unpack what these are. And my aim today is to encourage us that these gifts are for today, encourage us that these gifts are for us, encourage us how to use these gifts and what to expect. And if you're uh, f- so familiar with using these gifts, uh, hopefully this will be a spur and an encouragement to you. If you've used them before and you're not using them anymore, my trust is this will be a spur to you to pick some of them up again and trust God. And if you've never used them before, my hope and my expectation is that you'll be better equipped to do that from today. I'm trusting that there's an encouraging 
word for each of us in this. We've been speaking about spiritual gifts and have seen that they're gifts given by God to build up the church. They're essential for growth and for effective ministry. And Jesus demonstrates them in his own ministry. They're used for witness within the world as Jesus shows us through his own ministry practice that he does day by day in the Gospels. We've seen that they're given by God to individuals for other people, generally speaking. Almost, actually all of them, all of these spiritual gifts are given for others. They're not given to the person for themselves. They're given for the benefit of the wider church. And we've seen that every single one of us, if we're following Jesus and we've been filled with the Spirit, receives spiritual gifts. Nobody is excluded. You may not know what they are yet, but nobody's excluded. Every single person has these, has one at least or more. And we believe that you can access different ones at different times as you need them. So, for example, if someone in front of you is sick, you can pray and ask God for a gift of healing. They may not particularly at that point need something else. Um, They may need healing. and You can pray and trust God. And and you can equally, if you're praying for someone, as we'll be hearing today, uh, and you think God needs to speak to them, you can pray that God would give you a word to share with them. In that moment, they may not need healing. They may need something else. They may need God speaking. And so you can pray and trust and say, God, would you speak? And these gifts are widely used in the early church. We see this in encouragement in Paul's letter to the Corinthians. When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church must be built up. Now you realize when you read a passage like this that the groups Paul's writing to are somewhat smaller than our meetings today. This is more like our life group settings where people are meeting in homes because he says when you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. We've had three people share today and that took quite a block of time. Luis has chosen some songs for us so he he did the bulk of the song choosing. Um, so we didn't each, but can you imagine how long a service would be if each of us brought a hymn? Or a word of instruction, or a revelation, or a tongue, or an interpretation. Now that would be a long meeting, wouldn't it? And by the time you get to meetings of hundreds of people, or thousands of people, some of the larger churches are, are thousands. Youngie Cho's church in, in South Korea was a million people. I mean, can you imagine how long your service would be? We're now going to sing song number... 436,000 and so on. So actually, the picture here is, is that it's much more of a smaller gathering in people's homes, but that doesn't stop us using the gifts today. That's the whole point of them, is they're for the building up of the church. Just because we're now legally allowed to have church buildings and gather together in bigger groups doesn't stop the Spirit working. And uh, so we want to see how God is at work today because these things are still useful and still powerful. So first of all, tongues. I've probably got more Bible verses for this than most of the others, only because I think this is still a little bit more unusual, and it's one that people sometimes get stuck on. So this is the first time, Acts chapter 2, verse 4, is the first time we see this gift in being exercised. And this is the early church when they're meeting together. Jesus has been uh, resurrected. He's taught the disciples. He's ascended. And he's said to them, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And they've been meeting and praying, and God's turned up in power. And they begin speaking in these languages they've never learnt. There's a whole crowd of people around them. And and the people around hear these people speaking in their own languages. And and this is the first time this occurrence 
happens. We learn a few things from this. We learn that, and from other passages as well in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19, that when people are filled with the Spirit, they're able to speak in tongues. We see as well that this is an enabling uh, to speak in languages that they've not learned. So this is not being really good at French. Suddenly, when you've got a GCSE coming up and it's just in time for the GCSE, it's not like that. So this is a a spiritual enabling to speak languages that you've not learned. In this passage, it's quite possible that they are human languages. And that's uh, seen elsewhere too. Um, Another aspect is that we don't think about what we're saying when we're speaking in tongues. Uh, we read this, if I pray in tongues, my spirit is praying, but I don't understand what I'm saying. And you might be thinking, well, why would I want to say things that I don't understand? Uh, because actually there's times when you get stuck and you want breakthrough and you want to pray and you, you've got stuck and you oh, I've, I don't know what to say to God. Uh, and you can actually begin to pray in tongues and speak out uh, and, and worship in a way that you, you get stuck sometimes in your own understanding. I've used a couple of illustrations about this in the past to to illustrate how uh, the Holy Spirit works and enables us to speak in tongues. And and really just sometimes it's helpful just to be practical. So let me go back. So uh, so we've got languages that God gives us to speak as the Holy Spirit enables us. And then my spirit's praying and I don't understand what I'm saying. So those of you who speak in tongues know that you're not taken over or possessed by God when this happens. You're completely in charge and able to start and stop and speak as God wills. It's just a, so perhaps I better give you an illustration. So if I, if I was to pray now, I can pray and say, Lord God, I thank you that you're here in this place and you love us and you have a word for us today and I pray you'd speak powerfully to us today in Jesus' name. And I, that's a heartfelt prayer. I want God to speak to us. Equally, I could pray in tongues. I don't know what I said. My spirit was praying to God, not my mind. And it's that simple. Now, a friend of mine, a chap called David, um, did a similar thing to that in one sermon when he was preaching. And a woman came up to him at the end to illustrate this point that sometimes they're, they're ordinary languages. And she said, I'm a traveler, a gypsy, and the language you spoke when you did that in your sermon was my own language. She'd been outside for a cigarette before the meeting. Uh, as she came back in, she heard David doing this, and the words she heard in her own language were, I've told you before, smoking's bad for you. <laughs> and he carried on preaching. Okay, So he didn't know what he was saying, but she was convicted by a word, just like a little snippet in the preach. Uh, when I've used that illustration in another ses- setting, um, Brian, who's not here today, was, was, came up to me at the end of the meeting and shared a story about how he used to be a series of meetings called Come Bless the Lord in Tunbridge Wells. And in one of those, he'd been, had a mic, not like this, but a, perhaps a time mic, and he'd been in a worship meeting, and he was leading the meeting, and his microphone wasn't turned uh, off at the, at the end of the time he was introducing things and he carried on worshipping and he'd been worshipping English then he started worshipping God in the spirit and was singing in tongues and uh, worshipping away and, and a chap came up to him at the end and said um, uh, where did you learn Hebrew? and Brian said I, I, I don't know Hebrew I've never spoken Hebrew he says no you were speaking Hebrew in that meeting he said I wasn't 
was speaking in tongues. And, and the chap said, no, I'm, I'm a linguist. Uh, I think he was from a religious order. He'd studied five or six different languages, and he knew Hebrew really well. And he said to him, no, the language you spoke was definitely Hebrew. I know what I'm talking about. So anyway, there you go. So uh, handy. I don't know if Brian's been to Israel. I think he has. I don't know if it came in handy. I don't think it works like that. Perhaps it was just a one-off where he was able to praise God and speak in that way. But just to show you, this is uh, spiritual, but also real. We're praying in the Spirit and expressing things that we can't easily say. When you come up with a a perplexing problem, you can pray in the Spirit and believe God for breakthrough. Uh, There's a benefit to us personally that when we pray in tongues, we're strengthened personally. We build ourselves up. We edify ourselves. That's a good thing to do. We are encouraged to pray in the Spirit. Paul writes, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Later on, we read from Jude. Uh, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith and pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is a thing we're encouraged to do, to be praying. Well done, Jude. Thanks for that one. Nice one. Um, That wasn't Jude that wrote that, by the way. It predates him, but good words, wise words. Thank you. This is an encouragement to us. And Paul himself writes, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. We use these gifts to build ourselves up, to pray and to have breakthrough, to to press into God and and in worship. And and I encourage you, if you are able to speak in tongues and have done, to use this daily. If you haven't, then I I pray that you seek God and trust him to be able to use this. But there's two different ways we use this gift. And this is the same passage, you'll notice, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you, but... In a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. And Paul begins to talk about how actually there's two different uses of this gift of tongues. That one is private, that's that's sort of universal, that all people who are filled with the Spirit are able to, whether they have or not. All those who want to can speak in tongues. And, And then there's this other use in church where actually we haven't had this use today, but sometimes we do, where one person will speak out a message in tongues and someone else will interpret. And and Paul's saying, look, without the interpretation, I'd rather speak words in an intelligible tongue, in a language that people understand, than just go on in tongues. And and the reason for that is because the church in Corinth seems to be having one person standing up and using their spiritual gift of tongues and someone else doing the same and then there's just this people competing across the room and it's getting messy it's becoming more like a fight than a worship service and Paul's saying no no, no let's speak in words that you understand um, then everyone will be encouraged he goes on to say this that when actually you believe you've got a special message in tongues, so not just your general worship, not your general prayer language, but you believe that God's prompting you to share something for the whole church, you, you should speak out, but only two or three in a service should do this. You should speak one at a time, and someone should then interpret what they say. But if no one's present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. And this is where, again, you get this sense that there's different uses of the gift, one in private, one in public. In private, it seems to be that lots of people can. In public, it seems to be that fewer people can. And two or three should speak in a meeting at most, and it should be interpreted. How do we receive this 
gift of tongues. Generally, not just for the meetings bit, but generally speaking, how do we do it? Well, I've said already that the, the speaker of speaking in tongues is in control at all times. You're not, ta- as far as I'm aware, as my own experience, there are people who start speaking in tongues and don't seem to be able to stop for a little while uh, in, on the first instance, and then after that seem to be able to control starting and stopping. I've not had that experience. Generally speaking, um, you pray and you worship, and you, you just naturally flow into speaking in tongues as part of your worship. Sometimes it can happen first for people when they're worshiping God. Almost always it happens first when you're praising Him and you're taking your eyes off yourself and you're trusting Him and you're thanking God and you're, you're speaking. Uh, when I was um, a teenager and wanted to receive more of God and wanted to go further in the things of God, I remember going to a church leader and saying, what is this thing about baptism in the Spirit? How can I have more of this, more of God? How can I experience more of God? How can I, what about this speaking in tongues and everything else? And he, he prayed with me and encouraged me to trust God. And, and at that moment, nothing changed. I didn't walk out of that meeting able to speak in tongues, but I remember going home and praying and, and worshiping and getting to a point again, well, I'm going to have to do, God hasn't taken over my mouth. I was kind of standing there like this, going, go on then, Lord. And nothing had happened. Uh, and you laugh, but I, it wasn't funny for me. Um, I, I'm not offended by your laughing because it probably looked a bit funny just then. Uh, but it, I was being deadly serious and expecting that God would just bubble up somehow and nothing happened. And actually I realized I'm going to have to step out and trust that I'm not just doing something man-made or something silly. So I realized I was probably going to have to make it the first sound. Okay, um, which letter do I pick? I don't know, does it matter? So I, I can't remember what letter I chose. It doesn't really matter, but just uh, not make up words. That would be silly because that would be you making it up. But I'm going to have to vocalize a noise of some kind, an M or a B or you know something. Just go, um, what do I do? Kun diaba somebody And just began to flow. And you just had to make some kind of noise to start with to, to get that going. Just say, God, I just want to praise you and trust you. Uh, I've heard of stories of people being given manufactured phrases to say, that's not speaking in tongues, that's repeating manufactured phrases. Um, that's, so God will give you the words to say, um, but in my own experience, and others may be different, I've found that just sitting with my mouth open hasn't helped uh, necessarily. I've needed to actually make that step and trust him. Uh, often it happens when you pray with somebody else and, and some, you get someone to pray with you. You say, I, I want to receive more of the Holy Spirit and trust Sometimes people say it feels remarkable or amazing. Other people say they feel nothing. I think feelings can be an, an unhelpful guide sometimes. I have heard people who've given messages in tongues in a church meeting say that they felt just a, a, a sense that they need to, a sort of weightiness almost, that now's the time they need to speak out. Um, so that's the feeling part of it. But the thinking part is that um, if no one's present to interpret, the person shouldn't speak in tongues, or they should at least pray that they have the interpretation and can then interpret the words that's given. Personally, I try to pray in tongues every day, privately, not publicly, but privately. I believe it builds us up, and it's a good thing to do, to be in God's presence, pressing in, pressing through, and speaking to Him. The next gift on that list was interpretation. Uh, And this is, as you might imagine, bringing the meaning to the word that's been spoken. So when somebody speaks a word in tongues in church out loud for everyone to 
here, what would happen is we would generally quieten things down. Often it happens during the worship, uh, and we might look at the band because they sometimes can't hear what's going on. If you just say, quiet now, quiet, we'll listen. Uh, and then we, we'll often say, we're gonna, that was a message in tongues, we're going to trust God for the interpretation. And Paul writes this, Since you're so eager to have the special abilities the Spirit gives, seek those that will strengthen the whole church. Anyone who pr- speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what they've said. The same chap I spoke of earlier in his preaching has another story which I really enjoy. And he was preaching elsewhere. Uh, taken a, he was a Bible college principal. He'd taken a student with him. And he was preaching in a church. And after he'd preached, I read the story again. I'd, I'd heard it and spoken it before. I've just read it the other week and just uh, in preparation for this message and to get my facts right. And he'd... Uh, preached and at the end of his preaching a woman gave a message in tongues and he David the preacher interpreted this message in tongues he gave the interpretation at the end of the meeting the student he'd taken with him uh, came up to him it was a student from Burkina Faso and he'd he so the national language in Burkina Faso is uh, French it's the official language and this student said uh, monsieur pets monsieur pets because he knew that it was david pets uh, he he knew that david spoke uh, good french and uh, he said uh, the tongue it was really excited the tongue that was given the message in tongues that was given was in my language and david knew it wasn't in french because he spoke french really well he said it was in more so you can imagine You've given the interpretation. What's your first response? Your first response isn't, that's so exciting. Your first response is, how did I do? <laughs> isn't it? Message in tongues is given. You've interpreted it. You want to know. And, and this guy just went, it was correct. <laughs> Sometimes, when... I've been in meetings and someone's given a message in tongues. Sometimes I've been leading the meeting and I've just felt the weightiness of responsibility to say, oh God, we need to hear from you. And if a message has been given, it may be that I need to give the interpretation. So I've trusted God and spoken out what I've believed to be the interpretation. Other times, if you're not leading, you don't have to be leading to give an interpretation, but somebody needs to. Uh, and it may be that you've just got a sense of a couple of words and you, ne- you want to bring those and And so do trust God that he'll give you the words to say as the interpretation. It's not necessarily a translation word for word, uh, despite that illustration I gave earlier on. Languages have different lengths and different sounds and different patterns, different meter. And uh, and you can say some things in one language that take just a few words in another. So don't worry if if it's shorter than the the message that was given or longer than the message that was given. Um, But we want to see when a tongue is given that there's an interpretation brought to Tongues is the ability to speak to God. We're we're talking to God, Paul says. And and in Acts chapter 2, when that first illustration happens, uh, the people around said, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. We hear them declaring the wonders of God. Now, sometimes when we hear interpretations, it can be as if God is speaking to us. When often, most often, tongues is well, according to this scripture, is us speaking to God. So shouldn't we expect the interpretation to be the same? Yeah, we probably should. But let's not get too worried about rules and regulations here. 
Sometimes when a, a message in tongues is given, it just sparks something in people. It sparks faith in people. And I think sometimes what we get is a prophetic word. I'm sure God can speak through a message in tongues and interpret it as a word to us. Um, I'm not really too hung up on that. The importance is that we do everything in love. We do everything to build up the church. We do everything to honor Jesus and to, in faith, to trust him. I want to move on to this one, prophecy. Because this is one I think which uh, I think God's really wanting to release uh, in the church today. What is prophecy? Prophecy is the ability to receive and give an immediate word from God to others. The ability to receive and give an immediate word of, from God to others. Why would we use it? Well, firstly, Paul encourages us to eagerly desire the ability eagerly desire prophesying he says you should also desire the special abilities the spirit gives especially the ability to prophesy but then we read on another reason to do it one who prophesies strengthens others encourages them and comforts them and finally we read this one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church those sound like good things to do to build each other up to strengthen encourage and comfort that's the purpose of New Testament prophecy. You might read some of the Old Testament prophets and, and think, well, that didn't feel very strengthening or encouraging or comforting. But you'll be glad to know that when we get to the spiritual gift in the New Testament, this is the purpose that Paul says, to strengthen, encourage, or comfort. And it's powerful. When, when people are prophesying, it can feel as if your own heart's been exposed. We've had some, a sense of God speaking today. And in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul says about those who aren't Christians coming into the meetings. He's saying, look, when, when others are there, they'll feel as though their lives are exposed and they'll fall to their knees worshiping God and saying, God is truly here among you. Many of us will have been in meetings where God has powerfully spoken. And the, I don't like to use the word atmosphere because that's, but there's a, just a sense of God moving in the place. And there's a weightiness and a reverence and a holiness. And it's God is here. He's speaking. And those moments are precious and life-changing. Because I want to, this to be something that's practical, I've just got a couple of illustrations from the Bible of how this can happen. So on one occasion, uh, some of the church are gathering around and praying and worshipping God. And the Holy Spirit says to some of them, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I've called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. This is God speaking a prophetic word about commissioning Paul and Barnabas or Saul and Barnabas to go. So the Holy Spirit can speak about a commissioning. There's another one which is where Paul is on his way to Jerusalem and he gets to a particular place and all the people, however many there were in that meeting, prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Paul should not go on to Jerusalem. We then read this. This is about a man called Agabus who's a prophet. He has this gift of prophecy. And he comes over and not only does he speak, he does a physical action. So he takes Paul's belt and binds his own feet and hands with it. And then he says, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. So we've seen there that prophecy comes through a word 
It's spoken word, but it can also come through an action as well. Now, in this occasion, we've got prophet, one aspect of prophecy, which is that it's foretelling, it's future telling. This is one particular aspect, and we can get hung up on this and assume that prophecy is always predicting the future. Most often, it isn't. Usually, it's God speaking his word into the current situation. It's an encouragement to strengthen, to build us up. But in this occasion, it's, it's a forward-looking word. The second thing we can get hung up on is that we can think that prophecy is like the Bible, and if it says to do something, we should do it immediately. Remember these words. The believers prophesied that Paul should not go to Jerusalem. Next, uh, this is what will happen when you go, and so we begged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. What happens next? After this, we packed our things and left for Jerusalem. Paul says, you're not stopping me going. I've heard the word of the Lord. I take that seriously. But actually, my responsibility is to go anyway. Wow. Now, I'm not saying we should treat prophecy flippantly. We absolutely shouldn't because it's God speaking. When God speaks, that's powerful. But if you've given a prophetic word, your responsibility is not for the inaction of it. Your responsibility is for the giving of it. Once you give it, your responsibility is finished. You have to give it. But then that stops. If someone doesn't listen to you, don't carry guilt over that. If you've given a word in the past and the situation's unfolded and someone didn't do what you said, it's not your fault. You're released if you've given the word. Paul knows he's meant to carry on, and so he presses on regardless. How do you know when God is speaking? It can be that you've got a burning sensation and you're in a worship meeting like this and there's just a sense that God wants to say something. And you, you, you're not even sure it's you to start with, but you know God wants to speak. And maybe you've gone the next step forward and you've asked the question, you've said, Lord, what do you want to say? What are you saying? And God's begun to speak and you might only have a word or two. But there's a sense that uh, when I first gave prophetic words, it was, it was quite uncomfortable. It was like I felt quite anxious. I was chatting to Nat on the way in and saying, what does it feel like for you? Because he's given a few words as well. And he was using the same language. Felt a sort of sense of anxiety almost in the meeting. There's something going on and God wants to do. Now, it may be completely different. This might just be our family that does it like this. But there might be something different across the room. And there might be something else that you're sensing. A different sense. Some people have words that they see. They actually see the words that God wants to say. I've never had that. Other people occasionally have heard an audible voice of God. I've never had that either. But I do have a sense sometimes that God wants to speak. And sometimes you might only have the first couple of words. Some people have pictures or visions or dreams. And that can be too God speaking prophetically to us. Again, we want to hear those things. I've generally found over the years that some of those sensations aren't, aren't reliable as, a, as an ultimate guide uh, because they wane. As you use a gift more, um, it wa that, those feelings can wane. And so you can be saying, well, I'm, I'm not, I've never felt that again since. But it's not that God doesn't want to speak. It's just you haven't got that new enthusiasm and excitement and nervousness around it. God's kind of not working in the same way. And so you still need to speak and still need to trust God and press in and, and, and step out. Even if you don't necessarily have that same overwhelming, I'm going to die if I don't give this word kind of sense. 
When do they come, these prophetic words? They may come, uh, and have done for me, most often in in a private time of prayer or in a time of worship. When I'm praying with somebody, and, and expect, and, and they've got a particular need, or I'm just wanting to bless them. I'm praying, and always I'm asking, Lord, what do you want to say to this person? It's my first question. What do you want to say? Not just, how am I going to pray? What word shall I use? God, what do you want to say? And as you begin to pray, you sometimes find that your prayer is prophetic even without you having delivered a prophecy. That's when someone says, how did you know to pray that? How did you know that was issue, that was issue or that was spot on? And you've actually ended up praying a prophetic prayer over them. Uh, sometimes when in church, like I've said earlier, I've been praying and, uh, and there's been a sense that God wants to speak and you know you just have to speak out. We have to go to a particular person and deliver a word to them. Sometimes God only gives you a word or two. And sometimes it's right just to deliver that word or two. Occasionally I've had a prophetic word and it's been one word. Someone's come to me and said, Stuart, I've just got this word for you and it's a word. Other times it's been elaborated. But in all of these gifts, some of it's God and some of it's us. And this is an important little journey to to go on as we trust God. Sometimes God speaks a word and we... We say the word and he wants us to carry on and elaborate, but sometimes that elaboration's us. We're just adding stuff to what God's actually said. Now, don't get too worried about that. Don't get too hung up about it, but just be aware that that can happen. It's one of the reasons why Paul writes this, let two or three people prophesy and let the others evaluate what is said. Remember, this is in a small group setting, so... It's someone will speak a word and prophesy and others just weigh and wait and say, Lord, is that, is that from you? And if it isn't, unlike the Old Testament where you took the prophet outside and stoned them to death, in the New Testament, you, you just weigh it and you say, well, I'm not sure that was from the Lord. Or I think that bit was and I think actually we ran on a little bit there into, into something else. So let's, let's just take what God has said. You never devalue prophecy. You never push it to one side. We... We always want to lift it up and say, yes, yes, Lord, speak. In a life group setting, it's, it might be particularly the leaders that, that are having that responsibility, but actually everybody together can. Privately, when you're praying for people, as we had folk praying over this side today, it's really helpful to have at least one other person with you when you're praying for somebody. That way, there's somebody else there to evaluate if there's a prophetic word given. It's not one-to-one. One-to-one can be a little bit... Um, it could be quite an intense experience for people. So it's quite helpful to have somebody else there in the mix with you. In church on a Sunday, it's difficult to, to just manage it any other way, partly because we want people to hear. So we've got microphones. I'm mic'd up at the moment. So we encourage people to come forward. If you've got a sense that God's speaking, and that's exactly what's happened today, three people have come to the front one prophetic word, two words of knowledge um, about particular situations. And Helen said, yeah, let's share that. Uh, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes when people come to the front, it's words of encouragement or it's observations about what's going on. Um, it can be all sorts of things that people are sharing with us. Sometimes it's uh, things to pray for. It can be all sorts of different things. But um, I can say from leading the meetings for quite a long time and sitting at the front, almost all prophecies are shared publicly. 
when we hear them. We are so keen to hear God speaking into the meeting that if we've got a sense that God's speaking right now and someone's brought a word from God, we want to hear it and so we stop what's happening and we, we share that. Very occasionally I've heard the person leading saying, I think that's a word for you and I think God is speaking, let's pray about that right now. But almost always when a prophetic word's given, it's shared publicly. So what do we do next? And I am going to make this the last one. I'm not going to go on to the other two. What do we do next? I'm aware this has been quite simple um, for some of you. And it's been fairly brief in the sense that I've covered uh, tongues, interpretation and prophecy. And it would be very easy to go home and go, well, that was was okay, yeah. There's some stuff that people do in church. But actually, I believe that these words that God can give us are so powerful, they can unlock situations in our workplaces. They can unlock situations when you're commuting. They can unlock situations when you're with friends or neighbors or others. God wants to speak to those people just as much as he wants to speak in church on a Sunday. Remember the times when Jesus is using these spiritual gifts. When he's speaking the word of God into people's life, he's not in church. He's not in a meeting. He's, he's out with the community. He's out with people on the street. And as you go to work, as you're in school or college or wherever, God wants to speak to those around us every day. I'm, I'm pressing into this myself and just, I don't want to preach this stuff and not try and live it too. And so that means I've got to make myself a bit foolish at times. This week, um, We've seen, we've seen God do some great stuff. We, um, two of us were in a meeting this week and just saw God answer prayer immediately. Um, I went out a couple of times on the street this week, uh, just in my lunch break or different points, and I just said to th- those that were in, I'm just going for a walk. And uh, I went into the marketplace, and the first time, I, well, not the, the square around the corner, and the first time I went out, I said, Lord, would you speak? I want to I pray with someone. I want to see somebody and pray. And I walked out, got nothing. I'm like, Lord, what? What do you want me to do? Okay, I came back again. So I prayed and came back. Next time I went out, the next day, um, I, I just, somebody almost bumped into me and said, oh, hello. And I did recognize the guy. I think he goes to another church somewhere. I said, oh, hello, how are you? He said, I've got a real problem with my knee actually at the moment. So okay, well, let's pray for your knee then. And uh, I just prayed for this guy's knee. I don't know what happened, but it so, so happened that within two days, I'd pray for three different people's knees and legs. Um, I went to a meeting at someone's house. This guy's not a Christian, as far as I know. It was about some paperwork. And I'd gone to sort out some paperwork with him in relation to a building um, for church. And uh, by the end of the meeting time, we chatted about church, and I'd again got to pray for he and his wife because both of them were struggling with their walking. I don't know what the answer, what the outcome of that was, but just trusting that God wants to use us on our day-to-day. He wants to speak into people's lives. He wants us to step out and say, use me, even if I get it wrong, even if I'm being a bit foolish, but I don't want to stay the same. I don't want to see nothing happen. I don't want to wait and get to the end and discover that God had a whole load of gifts to give us and we just didn't use them. Because actually I believe that God's giving us these gifts today for us. I value the prophetic. I've got a book and uh, notes that I've kept where every prophetic word that's been given to me by anybody goes into that. So if you've given me a word, it'll be in there somewhere. Because I pray over the words that God speaks and I encourage you to do the same. 
One of them, somebody spoke a prophetic word into my life and they said, uh, for, for these, this bit of it to take place, these things take about 20 years. For this bit to happen, it takes about 30 years. Okay, well, I'll keep praying then. And you're praying and just trusting God. Now, these people aren't God. When someone gives you a word, don't elevate them to a higher plane and say they're like God. They're not. They're human just like you. They can get it wrong, which is why we need to evaluate what others said, which is why when we're encouraging people to prophesy, we check that it's strengthening, encouraging them for their blessing. It's why when we're giving words into people's lives, we don't do hatches, matches, dispatches. Have you heard that? We don't prophesy birth, marriage. The Lord's told me, you're going to marry me. That's not appropriate. Uh, or death or life. You're going to live. You're going to die. Just hold back. If you think that God's given you a word like that, go to someone wiser who's used the prophetic gift for longer than you have and say, I, I was praying for this person and I think God gave me a word for them like this. Submit it to them. Talk to them. Pray. Just because God's given it to you doesn't mean you have to deliver it straight away. So we do these things gently and wisely with with grace to build others up. I, I'm done. I'm, I could keep talking, but I'm going to stop because I want us to pray. I, I don't know if I've done this justice today. Uh, and I'm not looking for feedback. What I'm looking for is God to move amongst us. Uh, and I want us to, to see the gift of the Spirit released in our own lives for day-to-day -day use as well as in the church, in our life groups, in our small groups, to see people praying for one another and, and using the spiritual gifts to see us as individuals praying and, and trusting God and seeing God using us. Is there anybody here who would love to hear from God more clearly and use these gifts more often? Is there anybody in this room that would like to do that? Okay. A reasonable number. Thank you. Not everybody does, and that's okay if you're not feeling that you want to or feeling that's for you at the moment. Um, rather than me praying for you, can we have the band on the stage? Can we pray for each other?